Hey, before we get into the message, we're going to have our Bible reading. So if you want to grab your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, and we've got a treat. We've got three young people who are going to be reading the passage for us. So read along. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. I become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, thanks guys for doing that reading for us. It was a bit of a treat. Um, hey, I hope you keep your Bibles open to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. That's the passage we're going to be having a look at um, this morning. And I'm, I'm looking forward to opening that up with you. Um, we're continuing through our Ephesians series that's been titled um, Brought to Life, Brought Together. Um, and I'm, I'm going to pray just again as, as we kick off um, that, that God would use my words and that we would have open hearts to hear from him. So let's pray again. Hey? Father, we just thank you for um, the privilege that it is to know you. We thank you that you are our almighty God, that you um, sustain all things. You give us every breath, every beat of our heart. And we know that it's only in your kindness and your patience and your goodness that, that you um, give us each breath. And so we just acknowledge that you're almighty God. Um, we thank you that we can be together this morning to look at your word. And so would you um, help me to be faithful as I speak? Um, would you help me to be clear? Um, and I pray that you would help us to have 
open hearts and open minds as we hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever um, played a game with someone, maybe like a board game or, or something, where you know that the person that you're playing has got a, a master plan, right? They've got a strategy where they're trying to win and you just can't work it out. And it's not until the end of the game that you look back and you see this plan kind of unfold that you go, oh, that's what their plan was. Uh, I know for me, when I, when I think of a, a master plan, I think of playing Risk with my younger cousin when I was a kid. Uh, and, and he would have the best strategies. He would have this massive plan as we're playing Risk. Um, and I would try to work it out and try to work out what his next move was and what was going on. But it wasn't until the end of the game that I looked at my defeat and I saw his plan come together. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy that time of, of seeing this you know, great plan come together at ex the expense of my defeat. Um, but you know, I think if, if, if the plan had actually benefited me, then there would have been like real comfort of looking back and seeing a plan that, that comes together for maybe my good or for my safety. Hindsight and seeing someone's plan can be a really comforting thing. And this morning in chapter 3 in Ephesians, Paul wants to show us a plan. Uh, and he calls it a, a mystery. And this mystery has been hidden since the beginning of time. Uh, and it's now being revealed in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's goal is that this mystery, right, this plan would be a real comfort to the Ephesians. That it would provide for them some security, some, some confidence. Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to have a look at this morning. Where we are in chapter 3, just to give you a little bit of context... Um, it, chapter 3 is tied really closely to the end of chapter 2. What we heard last week with Howard, Paul very much continues um, his train of thought. You'll remember from last week we talked about the unity that we have in Christ. That uh, Jews and Gentiles uh, are together one people under God. That there is no more division between nationalities, but that we are God's family. And so it's important, maybe if you missed um, last week, uh, that we remember the terminologies that we're using. So throughout chapter 3, we're going to be using the terminology of Jew and Gentile. That's what Paul talks about. So a Jew is someone who lives in Israel, and a Gentile is basically not a Jew. Uh, and this is really the thought, the, the, the way that um, the Jews would think. There were Jews and then not Jews. And so a Gentile was a Roman or a Greek um, person, if you don't have um, Jewish heritage, if you're not a um, Jewish in, in nationality, then, then you would be a Gentile as well. I'm a, a Gentile. That's the terminology that Paul uses here. And what we see as we come into chapter 3 here in Ephesians is that Paul is ending a larger section of his book. You see, Ephesians is broken up into two sections. You've got the first section in, in chapter 1 to 3 that really looks at the identity of the church that comes through the gospel. And then you've got chapters 4 through to 6 that looks at how do we live now as God's people. And so as we come to the end of this halfway point, Paul is about to finish off with a closing prayer. But what's really interesting about this chapter is that as Paul begins to uh, finish with this prayer, he stops midway through his first sentence, and he actually goes back to what he was talking about in, in chapter 2. It's almost as if Paul was 
um, finishing off this prayer and then something came to mind that was so important and so pressing that he, he kind of stopped where he was and he almost wrote like a, like a PS at the end of a letter. There's something you need to know before I finish off this section. And so you'll see uh, in, in, chapter, in verses 1 to 2 of, Ephes uh, of Ephesians 3 what I'm talking about. Have a look with me. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, it said, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then verse 2, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. There's this break in thinking. Paul's about to say something and then stops to say something else. Uh, and it's important that we ask the question, why? Why does Paul do this? What's, what's so important that he needs to, to not finish yet and, and if he needs to know this before he finishes? And um, we get a little bit of a hint in the first couple words of verse 1. Have a look with me. He says, for this reason, I, and it's, it's here that we get this hint. Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. It's in these words where Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles that we see why Paul stops in his writing. You see, Paul is in prison, he says, for you, Ephesians. I'm in prison because I've been preaching to the Gentiles so that you can hear the good news of the gospel and be saved. And Paul's saying, I, I know that you're worried, that you're uh, concerned you know, the Ephesians are thinking, man, our guy, Paul, he's in prison. He might not come out of prison. And they're wondering, what's next? I mean, is the church going to kind of continue? Or these churches that Paul's planted, they're just going to fall over? Is Christianity going to continue to grow? Is, is this it? Is it done with Paul? Has God kind of maybe given up on us? And we see that because when we look forward into uh, verse 13, we see what um, Paul is trying to address for the Ephesians. Have a look with me forward in, in, in verse 13. Paul says, I ask you therefore, and so what he's saying is, what I'm about to tell you, for this reason, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul says, don't lose heart. Have courage. Be encouraged. And so what Paul speaks about here in, in verses 2 through to 13 is meant to lift the Ephesian spirits, to, to help them have certainty that God is in control and to give them strength. And so that's what we're going to have a look at this morning. We're going to have a look at mainly um, this side point of Paul's uh, in verses 2 to 13 um, before he kind of comes back into finishing off his prayer at the end of the chapter. And so Paul's content, what Paul wants to tell the Ephesians to encourage them is he wants to tell them about this mystery. He wants to tell them about God's plan. And so the first section um, in, in Paul's writing here, he talks about how this mystery was revealed to him, to Paul. And then once it was revealed to him, he talks about how he then had to spread that and, and how he was um, given the job to preach to the Gentiles, to tell them of this amazing mystery. So let's have a look at this together from verses 2 to 3 as God reveals this mystery to Paul. Paul says in verse 2, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written 
about briefly. Now, when Paul uses the word mystery here, right, the mystery that was revealed to him, he doesn't use the word in the similar sense that we would, right, of something kind of spooky and dark and mysterious and secret, sort of like a, you know, a whodunit. But actually, just really simply, um, the mystery, the, the word mystery that Paul is using here is talking about simply something that was hidden from humanity that is now being revealed by God. And in verse 5, Paul says, actually, this mystery has been hidden since the beginning of, of time, but now has been revealed by God to Paul. So what is this mystery? Well, have a look in verse 6, and Paul tells us. Verse 6, Paul says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that through the gospel, the Gentiles and Jews unite together under Jesus equally. And that's the key word there, equally. You see, we need to understand the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles to kind of understand what's going on here. Because verse 6 here, right, this is an outrageous statement for a Jew, right? This is, this is not what they would expect. And for them in their ears is not good news. You see, for the Israelites, they were God's people. God was their God and they were his people. I mean, God um, brought them together. Uh, um, under Abraham, he, he gave them promises and, and covenants. He brought them into the, the promised land. He is their God and they are his people. There was an exclusive relationship there to a certain extent. I mean, they knew that the Gentiles had been offered salvation, but there was very much a, a hierarchy in their thinking. So a Jew could get saved, sure, and a Jew could be cleansed and they would get some of the benefits of Christ but surely not the status of a Jew. Could a Gentile have the status of a Jew? You see, what's so offensive to a Jew here is, is what the implications of what Paul is saying. And I think there's two key implications that we, we should have a look at really quickly in verse 6 of what Paul is saying. And the first is in um, just the first few words, through the gospel, right? This mystery is that through the gospel. Paul is saying salvation is through believing the gospel, through believing the good news of Jesus. And so we're not saved through circumcision. We're not saved through um, the family that we're born into or, or sort of our nationality. We're not saved through fulfilling the sacrificial system. We are saved in believing and having faith in the gospel. And so it wasn't it wasn't a Jew being born into a Jewish home or being circumcised that saves them here. This isn't just to the Gentile. This is to the Jew as well. It is through the gospel. But the second implication is probably a bigger deal for the Jews. You see, what Paul is saying is that salvation is now open to the Gentiles, right? To us, if you're not a Jew. But actually, it's more than just open. You see, what Paul says here is that Gentiles are is together with Israel. Notice here the three repetitions of the word together to emphasize uh, what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul here is saying is that Gentiles are is together with Israel. They are, have the right to God's inheritance just as much uh, as a Jew. Next, the, the Gentiles are members together of one body. 
that the Jews and the Gentiles are united into one people, one family under God. And thirdly, that they are sharers together in the promise. That the Gentiles have a place in Israel's history. And Paul finishes with these three words, which are really, really important. He says, in Christ Jesus. That is that both believing Jew and believing Gentile come into God's family through Christ Jesus. There is no favorites in God's family. The Jews are equal to the, uh, the Gentiles are equal to the Jews in God's new family. The thing is, we might be wondering, right, in 2020 in New Zealand, what's the significance? Right, what's, why is it, I mean, this is great for, you know, back in first century Jew and Gentile, but, but, you know, we have the church and, and, and Christianity has, has exploded into um, the West and, and all around the world. What's the big deal? When I asked that, I, I think for myself of, of the time when I was younger that I realized for the first time that Jesus wasn't white. Now, that might sound really weird, but when I was growing up, I kind of just presumed that Jesus looked like me, right? That, that he was white and he had brown hair and a brown beard. Um, and it was a big deal to actually realize, no, Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> and Christianity is actually um, grounded within Israel, right? It has a, a rich history um, with the Israelite people. Realizing that Christianity is not Western. Right? It's not a Western religion. And this is really important to understand, right? That, that we as Gentiles come into a Jewish faith that has its roots deep in Israel, right? I mean, most of the Old Testament is talking about Israel. But now we get to come into this family as equals, right? Not under Israel, but in fully. And so what we need to realize is that we don't have a right to this, right? Christianity is not a, a birthright. It didn't originate with us. No, it originated with God. And God chose a man called Abraham. And through Abraham and his descendants, excuse me, became a nation. And that nation was called Israel. And from that nation was produced a king. And his name was Jesus. And he was the son of God and the Messiah. And through Jesus, salvation became open and offered to all the peoples of the world. We as Gentiles have come into a rich Jewish heritage and been together one body with Israel. And so when we read the Old Testament we can know that this is actually now part of our story. And so what this should produce in us is, is an attitude of, of humility, of feeling so privileged and so honored that we get to come into this family of God, that it has been opened to us uh, as Gentiles. This is the mystery that Paul received from God. You see, verse 6 is an outrageous statement for a Jew. It's unbelievable. But for a Gentile, man, this is the best news. This is such good news. All believers are equal. And so once Paul receives this revelation of this mystery of God, he can't help but share it. In fact, he's given the job to announce and proclaim this mystery. 
Uh, in verse 8, Paul is, is given the job to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, to make plain to everyone God's plan from the beginning that was hidden but is now uh, made open to us and has been revealed to us. And I think it's around verse 10 that we start to see why it's such a big deal what Paul is talking about here. Um, why what Paul is saying is actually an encouragement to the Ephesians. Have a look at verse 10 to 11 with me. Paul says this, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul's saying here that God's plan has been accomplished or completed in Jesus Christ. And what that has done is, is Jesus has brought together a people together made up of Jews and Gentiles, and they are called the church. And this was God's plan from the very beginning. That's why he uses the word eternal purposes. But why now? If it's been hidden throughout all of time, why now reveal it? Well, did you catch it in the verse? Paul says... Uh, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God may be made known. Now, the word manifold there means multicolored. It's a similar word uh, that is used for Joseph's multicolored coat. And so through the church, God's multicolored wisdom is displayed. But to who? Who is this displayed to? Well, at the very end of verse 10, it's displayed to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms. Now, this is an incredible idea, and it's, it's just blowing my mind as I've been prepping this talk. The church, right, believing Jews and believing Gentiles, display God's multicolored, multifaceted wisdom to the angels. It's as if the angels... Since the beginning of time, I've seen God putting things together and starting to work out his plan. And they've been sitting there going, man, what's his end game here? What's his plan? I don't see how this is going to work out. And now, at the death and resurrection of Jesus, as his people are brought together, called the church, the angels step back and they look at us, the church, and they go, man, I never saw that coming. That is amazing. I never saw God's plan working out in that way. And the result then is for the angels to just glorify God. You're amazing. We could have never come up with that. I want to read to you um, a quote from a guy called uh, John Stott. I think he puts this really, really well. Here's what he says. Is it, it, is, it is as if a great drama has been enacted. History is the theater. The world is the stage and the church members in every land are the actors. God himself has written the play and he directs and he produces it. Act by act, scene by scene, the story continues to unfold. But who are the audience? Well, they are the cosmic intelligences, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We are to think of them as spectators of the drama of salvation. Thus, the history of the Christian church becomes a graduate school for angels. I love that last line. The history of the Christian church becomes a graduate school for angels. It's, it's as if the church is 
a bit like a quilt, right? Or, or a, a collage art that God has brought together people from different contexts and backgrounds and nationalities and, and upbringings. And he's brought them together to be united as one people. And the angels get to look at this sort of piece of art and, and marvel, not at the art itself, not at us as the church. Man, look how amazing the church is. But to marvel at its creator, to marvel at Jesus, our King, and God the Father who sent Jesus to do his work. And the amazing thing to think about is the fact that you are part of that quilt. You are a little seam in that quilt that is displaying God's amazing wisdom and plan to the heavenly authorities. And so what this means is that you are not God's plan B, right? God didn't start with Israel and then, well, Israel crucified Jesus. And so then um, he's, he's come to, the, to us, the Gentiles, and worked with us, and then he's got to go back to the Jews. No, we were his plans, both Jew and Gentile, the church from the very beginning. Israel were God's vessels to bring salvation to the world. They were told this in, in the Old Testament, and, and ultimately we see this in Jesus, that he has accomplished this, and he calls us the church. The church display the glory of Jesus and what he's been able to accomplish. You know, when I've thought about this this week, man, it has made me feel really small um, to realize how big God's plan is. And to realize my little part to play in it. And to realize that angels kind of look at my life and look at us as a church to see God's wisdom. I mean, there's a challenge there for your life. Because I tell you, my life as I think angels watching to see God's wisdom. What are they seeing? But Paul wants us to see this plan. He wants us to step back and to see the perspective of God's plan since the beginning. In verse 12, Paul tells us that faith is the key. Faith is what brings us, both Jew and Gentile, right, into God's family. Through faith, we can approach um, with freedom and confidence God. We can approach him with confidence. We cannot earn our way into salvation. It is not, I was born into a certain family or I grew up uh, in a certain culture. No, it is by faith, regardless of your ethnicity, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death for you to pay for your sins and that he rose from the dead. Paul then uh, comes back to, to verse 13, which we had a look at. He says, therefore, in light of this massive picture, in light of this massive plan that God has been orchestrating since the beginning of time to bring you Gentile and you Jew into the church, Paul goes, take heart. Do not be discouraged. You are part of God's plan. And so Paul says, my suffering Right? In prison for you is also part of God's plan. Through you, the multicolored plan of God is displayed to the angels. Paul wants them to get this. Nothing happens outside of God's plan. And you know, I think the idea of adoption really sums up what Paul is trying to get across here to the Ephesians. And what I want to do to finish off and to kind of flesh out a little bit of an application for us is I want to try something a little bit different. And it's going to involve you using your imagination. So kids, you're going to be way better at this than your parents. So you can, you can help your parents. Uh, if you need to close your eyes, you can. But I want us to use our imagination for a second to really 
feel and to really understand what Paul is trying to get across here. Can you do that with me? All right. I want you to imagine that you are a five-year-old child, that you're living in Bangkok and Thailand and you're an orphan. So you've been living in an orphanage all your life and you've seen kids come and go. And one day the manager of the orphanage comes up to you and says, hey, a New Zealand couple has chosen you. They have decided to adopt you. And then the manager tells you, actually, this New Zealand couple have actually visited the orphanage regularly over many years and they've watched you and they've seen you grow up and finally now they are able to adopt you. And they're going to be here in, in a week or so. Man, you are so excited. You had no idea that anyone even knew who you were, but that a couple had been coming regularly to see you grow, planning to adopt you. You are so excited. And your new parents, man, they are super excited as well. You see, they chose you years ago. When you were younger, but they had to wait for the documentations and the visas and the passports and all the, all the legality to happen before they could come and adopt you and get you. Uh, your parents have two children of their own who will become your siblings. But ever since uh, this couple were married, they'd always wanted to adopt. Your parents haven't told anyone about the adoption. They wanted to wait until it was finalized, until they got to bring you home and it was all completed. But they have been preparing. They've been renovating their house. They, they put in a new bedroom that's going to be for you. They sold their smaller car and bought a bigger one so that they can fit you in. They've bought you school uniforms. They've started to learn uh, the Thai language. They've put up cards all throughout the house uh, with English and Thai words of all the different things in the house so that you can learn English better and quicker. And the neighbors, man, they'll be wondering what's going on. What are you guys doing all these renovations for and, and buying this new house? And visitors are coming to the house and they're seeing all these Thai and English cards all over the place and they're wondering, man, what is going on? Is there some sort of family project going on? But finally the day comes. When your parents come to pick you up and they fly you back to New Zealand and you hold on to your mum's hand the whole way through the entire flight, you do not let it go. Man, it feels so good to have a mother, to have a father, to think that I am now part of a family. Well, when you arrive, there's, there's a big party. And the neighbours and all the friends come over and they finally realise what the plans were for. They finally realise what all the work was for to prepare for you coming. And they marvel at your parents, at the planning that they did and what they've been able to achieve and all the paperwork and legalities that they've had to go through. They think your parents are amazing. Let's step back to us for a second out of the story. This is really similar to what Paul is trying to get across to the Ephesians. Paul is trying to say to Ephesus, God chose you, believing Gentile, from the beginning. And he has been preparing for you all throughout history. And he's kept his plan secret from humanity and from angels. And then finally, at just the right time, he revealed his plan in his son, Jesus Christ. And the angels were able to see the magnificence and the beauty and the diversity of God's plan. And they marveled at him. 
They thought he was incredible. Paul wants the Ephesians to see how much God loves them. But he also wants them to see the security that they have in being in God's family. So we're going to come back into our imagination story for a second. You're this five-year-old child again. We're going to fast forward a bit in the story. Man, you, you've been loving being part of your new family. Your English is getting pretty good and you've been loving getting to know your new siblings. And man, it was such a highlight. And it was so amazing when you got that certificate that had your new last name on it. You see, you knew that you were part of the family. Mum and dad had added you to their will and uh, new family photos had been taken up uh, and had gone on the wall. So that when you walked throughout the house, you kept seeing yourself in all of these photos with the family. The annual family holiday was coming up and you were wondering if you might get sent to some other relatives so that the family can go away. But mum told you that it wouldn't be a family holiday without you. You don't feel different from your siblings. I mean, sure, they're biologically related and there's something really special about that. But you know and you feel that you are an equal member of the family and you just feel as valued as they do. In family meetings, your input is asked for and you're starting to hear that you're part of all of the family's future plans. You know that you belong. You feel secure. You feel safe. This is what Paul wants the Ephesians to feel. This is what Paul wants us to feel. There is no hierarchy or favor in God's family. It's not nationality or family based that's based on Jesus and trusting in the gospel. You see, the church belongs to Jesus. He died for it. It's his. And he's not about to move on to another plan. No, we are his plan. And this is what Paul's encouragement is to the Ephesians. Paul's saying, I'm in prison because God wants me in prison. I'm a prisoner of Christ. When he wants me to go, then I will go. But until then, this is where I am, because that's what his plan is. So for us, right, in Te Aumudu in 2020, what does this change for tomorrow? I think what it, what it changes and what it does is that when we are in times of suffering, when we're in times of uncertainty, where we're asking, man, where is God in this? What's his plan? Right? Well, What's going on? Has he, has he moved on to, to different things and different purposes? Is he still growing his kingdom here or are we just a lost cause? Maybe you look over the fence and you go, man, why are they getting blessed but I'm not? Maybe as a church, we look at other churches and we go, man, they're being blessed with uh, finances and, and more people and whatever. What about us? Has God given up on us? When we are in a hopeless state, Paul wants us to remember who we are as Christians, to remember the plan that we display to the angels. God will not give up on you. He will not move on from you. And so what that means is that whatever you're going through is part of God's plan. That means in the darkest moments, in the moments of despair, in moments of confusion and doubt, God wants you to say, you're enough. 
He wants us to say, I'm Christ's prisoner. While he wants me here, I'll be here. But when he wants me to move, I will move. And so what that means is that there's a reason. Now, we might not ever see the reason for those plans, just like when I'm playing Risk, right? And I don't see the master plan until the very end. It might not be until we're in heaven that we realize why God did it the way he did. But what we can know for certainty is that God has not abandoned you. But maybe for this morning, maybe this morning, you know, actually, you know, you're on the live stream, you know that you're not right with God. You know that you haven't experienced what Paul has been talking about here in Ephesians 3. And so what I want to say to you is, uh, is to look at the links that God has gone to to show you that he loves you. Look at the family and, and the security and the comfort and the peace that is on offer in salvation. I want to ask you to put your trust in Jesus so that you can come confidently and with freedom to God. And I think it's fitting that Paul finishes uh, this, this side note by coming back into his closing prayer. And so what I want to do to finish is just to read you this prayer uh, as we close. I think it ties in so well. In light of God's plan that he uh, accomplished in Jesus and the people that he has created call the church, from verse 14, Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may strength, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and how deep, is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen